0: And welcome to a very special Turn Out of Punk Splits. Returning to the show, Tony from Municipal Waste. Tony, welcome back to the show. Welcome back. I mean, it, I feel great. It feels great to be back. Welcome for having me. Well, it's an honor to have you back here. And what has brought us together today is our connection, our label, our mutual close friend the great Scotty Karate from Tank Crimes Records. Scotty, welcome to the What's show. What's up?
1: I can't believe I'm on a podcast with the singers of my two favorite bands from 2005. This is just unbelievable.
2: <laughs> I love how much louder you are. than. It's just like we're on, on the bus should I it's louder should I wrap, than everybody
1: should I wrap a couple pieces of tape around my microphone no I'll, I'll, make,
0: scream? I'll, I'll make sure we all balance out in the mix I can I can guarantee that because yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like Scotty it's amazing because between Tony and our respective bands I think we represent two sides of the tank crimes label experience for you uh, Tony being the fun awesome side and fucked up being me being the is this worth it? Why is there so many headaches involved in running a label side?
1: Well, fucked up doesn't really give me headaches except when we're touring together. <laughs> like the re- the records all sell, so that's good.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say the weed side and the beer side. Yeah, you know, like- oh, that could, that's true.
0: Well, you guys, you guys. I think I don't want to blow up your spot. You're you're not necessarily in a legal state, so. Uh, but I, there is some cannabis consuming in your band without blowing up anyone's spots, I believe. Right, Tony? We're all,
1: Tony lives in Florida. Shit's legal down there. Is
0: it legal in Florida? I got, co- yeah, oh, and I got Virginia's car, legal now, too. Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> yeah, in that case. Yeah. in that We can case, finally America. talk about
2: smoking weed in public now. <laughs> yes.
0: It's, so yeah, right. it's,
2: it's my weed card, dude. Look, Look yeah, at that.
0: <laughs> Tony so, yeah. is legal. Scotty is legal. I am legal. Oh my, I left my bong at the studio though, so I I unfortunately can't partake right now, but partaking in spirit. Um, You
1: know, when we met, Damien, I never thought that you would one day be like, oh, sorry, I left my bong at the studio.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's great. I feel like I had sellout written all over me the whole time. (laughs) I think the signs were there. It's like, you know, you're not going to know I'm a pothead, but the signs will be there kind of thing. Like, <laughs> Well, they... your
1: other interests didn't change when you st- became a pothead. You no. just are a pothead with the same interests as be- when you were a straight edge dude.
0: I feel like pothead goes with anything, you know? It's like yeah, it really, really does. Yeah. It's like, except for maybe being straight edge. They really don't. Dude, like
1: I want to invent alcohol that's like pot where you can like get drunk for an hour and then like watch a movie and not be wasted. You know, like oh yeah. That's the problem with alcohol. It doesn't just like wear off and you go about your day like weed does. Yeah. That's true. It I keeps mean, ramping up or you gotta go to bed. They have Laganita's weed beer now.
0: Oh yeah, that shit
1: game that shit felt cool. They, yeah,
0: they tried to, I launch, tried it to it launch it. Up, they tried to launch that up here and it didn't really take because I think uh it was pretty pretty low dose. And, um, I don't know, I just feel like it's a different kind of consumer market. Have you ever tried those new, like, fast uptake edibles that have hit the market? I think it might be a beverage too.
1: No. I'm still smoking the weed I grew two summers ago because I grew too much. So I didn't even grow weed
2: <laughs> last year. Oh, my. Yo, Scotty, do you remember when Lachis brought that weed pizza to the show in, in Oakland? And yeah, I ate, like, just- four slices of it. <laughs> Because yeah, I was were just bu- hungry. <laughs> you didn't know it was weed pizza. you
1: thought it was regular pizza
2: and I went out, I went out full on like
1: for it and that it guy, <laughs> that guy roasted a weed turkey in the pit at burnt ramen on a mini charcoal barbecue <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I would that's the thing as I, those are the times I wish I was there i feel like uh, i came late to the party <laughs> no one roasts weed turkeys anymore but, yeah no one does wow. that anymore Nope, no but they've got these new edibles that are fast uptake edibles that take effect i think i think it's like 15 20 minutes
1: oh i like that because that's one of the reasons i don't like edibles because i end up smoking weed waiting for it to kick in and then i'm just like well why i i don't know
0: mm-hmm yeah I bug i I find edibles are such a weird thing too because like even if you have a lot of experience with them you never know how it's gonna affect you like like how much is gonna hit you and when it's gonna hit you I don't trust them yeah
2: no I don't
1: trust yeah them. that's what else i I've been smoking weed long enough I know i I feel i I feel totally in control of of weed mm-hmm. but not not when you eat it
0: yeah I've got like a super like I'm on 500 milligrams right now Yeah,
1: we got we got uh, sick Tony (laughs) that last time we played Municipal Waste played the biker club in Sacramento the second time. Now there's a weed dispensary at the end of the block and they brought us they brought us bags and bags of like free shit. And I was fucking hammered that night when we stayed at Mikey fucking Hood's house and I Hell ate like, like a whole tray of gummies because I couldn't fall asleep. And I woke up so high the
2: next day. I was so miserable in the fucking bus. That was a that was one of the most miserable mornings I've seen our band in a long time. Everybody was really hungover. Like laying, y'all were like laying in the yard. We shit. were laying in the yard
1: waiting to get picked up. It was bad. <laughs> it was a rough night. That that night did not feel like it was going to be on like the 2022 calendar. That was like a night out of 2007 and we relived it as adults.
0: Do you remember the night you did dabs in Vancouver on the fucked up shore?
1: I love doing dabs in Vancouver. And I, I really, my whole dab experience is all with you Damien and actually my brother-in-law dabs. So when we go to like have family dinners, we'll go dab in his garage. But uh, what was that thing called? What was that bong called?
0: The sublimator.
1: Oh, the sublimator! That thing gets you fucked up. That sounds like a waste song title.
0: Yeah, sublimator. Yes, definitely.
1: <laughs> that thing is not for amateurs at all. That no. that was
0: that the was most. Cool. That was the most fucked up. I think I've, I've seen any, and every member of fucked up that night. And then Tony. And then go, I
1: dine and dashed but then I was with Canadians. So Tony, if you dine and dash with Canadians, the Canadians just pay your tab, and then you feel guilty. And they go, sorry, sorry,
3: sorry.
0: (laughs) I guess Dash has a different exchange rate in Canada because when Scotty says he was dashing, he was moving in slow motion. And the waitress is like, what the hell is he doing? And we go, don't worry, we'll take care of his bill.
2: He's in the spirit world right now.
0: (laughs) It was very much a slow-moving train
1: dine and crawl out of it (laughs) while all this staff watches you and ask the rest of your party (laughs) what you're doing shit that's good and then pay back the band fund
0: the next day the 12 (laughs) dollars. hipster hot dogs aren't (laughs) cheap damon are you are you do you live near um london i want to come to the london show i can't like we are near
2: near you
0: it's close it's about three hours two and a half oh, hours. Oh, it's that far? Oh, damn, oh, I wow. thought it. Was,
1: I thought it was like one hour. But then I recently just noticed other bands' tour dates that played London and Toronto. So I was like, fuck, that's more than an hour. Yeah, but we only...
2: We only booked that show there because Brutal Nights were a song about that town. Really? Yeah. Not really, <laughs> but... That's the only I know about that... That's the only <laughs>
0: that's thing I know, that. well, uh, know about that town is Brutal Nights. <laughs> but yeah, London, Ontario is... Uh, You know, a brutal nights kind of town. It's a, it's a, there's a great scene there. There's been some like unbelievable kind of clubs there over the years, but that's funny. That's why you booked it instead of Toronto. I was like, why are they going to London? We didn't
2: really, that's not really why. (laughs) Honestly, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. So, um, you might have to edit this, but, uh, the place, I'm not going to say any specifics, but the place in Toronto, um, wanted to take a ridiculous merch cut and they were very rude to us in the past regarding that so we moved the show elsewhere and that is why that show is not in Toronto unfortunately because we were trying to stick to our guns as far as that's that topical though goes. that's
1: topical though merch cuts I know. the average music it, fan knows all about merch cuts now so they people get behind you a, when you say sorry we're not in no, to your um, town merch
2: cuts yeah i i just didn't want to I should have said anything, but like, I just didn't want to just bring crap up, but I know a lot of people were bummed. We weren't actually playing Toronto proper, but, uh, yeah, it sucks, man. Like the, the, that place in particular is just a fucking merch cut nightmare. So we're just like, ah, let's just not do it. We'll just go somewhere else. We haven't played that much and have fun. I have two, (laughs) I have two kids street teaming
1: for us, two young Londonites, some Ontario boys. I love the street Out, team. out there this, for us. So
3: yeah.
2: This street team idea. I have a mouthful of ice. I'm sorry. I'm the worst right now. But I think, the, I think the street team idea is great, Scotty. So I, I this is something that I think
1: I, I must've told one of you guys this over the years, but I always forget about it. But my very first fucking thing I ever did in like the music industry, besides just be a fan, was I street teamed for Skunk Records, Sublime's record label? <laughs> Are you fucking ready for that? That is true. Oh shit! That is true. Shit! I did that in San Francisco, and they were fucking tight, dude. They like bought me. They like got me on the guest list to see Ween at the Warfield. Like they would like send me to cool places to street team. They didn't want me just like putting flyers up at the head shop or whatever. So, when they
2: put you on the guest list of this show that you? Were- yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And Whoa. I fucked it up because. They were actually, like, pretty good um, at, like, keeping tabs on their street team. And, like, I was, like, doing good. I was doing good for, like, a couple months, and then I just, like, blew it off. I mean, I was, like, 19 years old, just moved to San Francisco. Like, after a couple free ween shows, I'm like, what am I doing? Plus, my musical tastes were changing also. And I was, like, putting up, like, slightly stupid and filibuster posters, you know, because I loved Sublime. So. I just kind of grew out of it. But that was my that the the other the other record label I volunteered for was Alternative Tentacles. And uh volunteering for Skunk was cooler. Alternative was Tentacles the, uh... had me like stuffing, they had me like folding envelopes or something. It was like total bullshit, and I just left.
0: You can go sitting here.
1: <laughs> the coolest thing about uh, Is that your
2: jello?
0: That's my jello.
1: That's a good jello. <laughs> Uh the one thing that's awesome is Alternative Tentacles has um one gold record on the wall at their offices and it's Iceberg by Ice T because Jello does the spoken word intro on it, and that's the gold record hanging there. So that's the coolest thing about those offices.
0: You'd think by now one of those other records had gone gold.
1: I think that just last year um a dead Kennedys record went gold. Yeah. So but like well, Jello I... wasn't really hyping it. I saw it through like True. like East Bay Ray or somebody. And it happened um it happened after DH Poligro died cuz I was like, "Oh, I'm getting like the actual Dead Kennedy's band stuff like in my feed twice in one year." And I don't I follow like the
0: the Jello side,
1: you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That was a major I remember that moment kind of happening. That trial too. I'm trying to think where I was reading coverage of it, but like that was like right when I was getting into touring,
1: that was like right when I was getting into touring early 2000s. Cause I remember someone from alternative tentacles on an early vote sector, like asked us to like bring, and we did, but I don't think we ever did anything with it. We had like a binder where you were supposed to like sign your support for Jell-O or whatever. And at the time I didn't really have under any real understanding of what was even happening at all.
0: It's, it's so it's bizarre too because like you think about back at that time they're like how many of these bands got like really popular and there was like a, a real stake to it and I'm really glad that I live in an era where that's not a concern for us <laughs> there's never enough money that we're going to fight each other for it and fucked up. I want
2: my spot my 12 Spotify cents
0: <laughs> yeah exactly I mean where I'm in the era where it's like. Hey, uh, do you want to incur the debt? <laughs> Who's going to incur the debt for this? Yeah, I like that. Well, that's incur what I mean.
1: <laughs> as Tank Crimes grew, I, I now have like different options for like the deals with the bands, but everybody just still picks the original fucking offer from 2003, which is 20% of the records. Because even like for your guys's bands, you're like, oh, that's a way better fucking pay than even like a 50-50 profit split deal. Like, just take the records and sell them for cash
2: and you're doing better, you know? If you're um, if you're a touring band, for sure, it's probably the quickest way to see money, I would imagine.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it comes fast, too, you know? <clears throat> if yeah, you're out
1: there playing shows.
0: Yeah, and I think even now, because there's, there's like merch table, and, and not to point them, there's like a few other services that do this kind of thing, but you can actually have your merch sold at the end of tour, through some sort of like distribution deal as a band, which I think takes a lot of the risk out of like getting a lot of product. Like after I remember after it's like oh shit, what are we gonna do with these shirts? Like that. I think I we still had shirts from early fucked up tours sitting in our practice space that we we're finally able to just be like oh fine we can shift these. It's not enough to well, bring on tour, you know, like one or two shirts and like have like a five dollar box.
1: I still no, nothing more embarrassing to me than to see a band's tweet tour leftovers are up. I'm like ah oh, you poor bastards. No, <laughs> so I've been in a. though. I know every tour has leftovers at the end, but I'm always like, you're admitting that shit? You're leftovers. Like, cause there's something wrong with them or something. Like, what? A, they better be on a deep fucking discount if they're leftover from tour. Fucking gross.
0: That's why you, you just got to better brand it like tour reserves. We held back some for you no, fans at home. Yeah, no, this is how you market your
1: tour leftovers. There was so much demand for these shirts on the tour and we were running out of them so fast. We pressed up just one more last uh, version for the true of of triple XL, but we only have small and triple XL. We, we, that's all we're doing. It's for the super fans.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that is definitely the ones that are all, no, actually fucked up. I, because of my size, I always have to deal with someone at the show being like, "How come you guys don't carry anything above an XL?" And I'm like, "Because my man, my band are a bunch of fucking assholes and don't support people like you and me." That's what it really comes and down. Then, to. That's <laughs> it. That's
2: it. Like no one. Oh, wants Scotty! To... I found um, literally like two days ago. I found the merch numbers, the merch sheets that are handwritten by you from the entire nine week tour. So I have everything. <laughs> Thing oh that we sick. Sold you got that. like the book, like the was it like in, note, is it like a notebook in your handwriting, and then you can tell you get bored and like start talking like person <laughs> with dress three.
1: Like, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I'm like making other tallies <laughs> for how many fucking punishers came by. Yeah, I gotta I gotta send you guys a photo of it. It's like, oh shit, man, we sold 12 shirts. Oh yeah. Yeah, That's I crazy. actually still have it's actually one of my like most cherished mem- memorabilias. Is I still have the piece of cardboard like the like the like t-shirts ten dollars CDs ten dollars like that and it's got fucking guar dread drippings all over it from kids leaning over the merch fucking after they're totally soaked.
2: <laughs> I had to explain to a member of Guar what guar dreads were. So you're gonna have to tell Damian what yeah, what is guard oh, is
1: we just named just the <laughs> blood and shit and cum that drips off of you we just named it guar Dreads. Cause like people with long hair, their hair gets all like clumped up and stuff. And then they're like dripping on the merch table and like hugging you and dripping. So most of the drips come off of long hair, men and women. And it was, so we just started calling them guar Dreads. And it's then gotta we be were like- referring to all the blood anywhere. Um, if there's a puddle of blood on the floor, uh, gua- watch out there's guar Dreads in the hallway. Uh, you know, oh, I got some Gwar Dreads in the trailer.
2: That's still, it's still, you know, 20 years later we still say it all the time. We still say Gwar Dreads
1: all the time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh. They gotta be uh like one of the hardest working bands in the world. Yes. Yeah, I
1: think so. It's continue to be too. Yeah. Man, maybe. I was fucking watched the fucking video of Brocky on Joan Rivers recently. And he's so was so smart and so fast and so fucking funny, man. And it's like he's going head like Joan Rivers, you know, had her talk show in the 90s. But she's a legit fucking comedian, too, you know, and like a badass. And she's quick and smart, too. And they were like going like head to head. And he's just fucking cracking her up. That's And um, uh, it's a great video to watch. Yeah, Mike and Bishop, Mike Bishop's too. with him as yeah. Beefcake in that one. Yeah, yeah. Who's the Who's the leader of the band now? So it's a really cool clip, and I think now, like, I mean, if somebody asked me of like a cool Guar clip to look up on YouTube, it's that Joan Rivers. It's so fucking good. He's yeah. so funny.
0: They're a band that I think should get a Vegas residency. Like, if there's one band that I could be like, okay, that'd be a good idea for him. it would be amazing. Go to like. Dude, a I'll, I'll
1: see Guar in the
2: Sphere. <laughs> in the Dude, I almost, I almost had internet beef with Brocky one time. we're just, we're like old friends, and we, you know, we had some dumb beef about something that almost went to the internet. And thank God that got squashed before that happened. Oh, because he would have roasted you, dude. You don't want to go toe to toe with Brocky. No. Also, way, dude. He he's in
1: character, ass. so he can say meaner stuff than a human would say. <laughs> he's, yeah,
0: yeah. He's also like. In america's hardcore i think it is where he talks like he's like I-, I hated the dc hardcore dudes i hated all those discord guys he like had like no issue with calling people out
2: yeah yeah he didn't give a fuck.
0: yeah definitely like, well definitely like that death piggy stuff's fucking amazing too it's like like a whole other act for his career
1: we were in on the guar tour we were in buffalo new york over close near you, Damien, but we were in Buffalo, New York, and Rancid was playing up the street. <laughs> so we went, Ryan and I went, uh, actually, like it was I don't even know who we got to do merch. Like, Ryan like big brothered me and got somebody in the band to like watch merch or something so we could go see Rancid, because everybody knew I was the one who cared the most about Rancid at the time. And uh we go over there and we don't really know how we're getting into the show or anything. And we walked up to the back door of the venue and we just flashed our laminates from the guar tour. And the guy was like, Whoa, out of the way guys. And like ushered us right in. And it was the back (laughs) and it was like the door right behind the stage. So we like walk up super casually, just kind of like, let's see if this works. We flash our laminates for the show down the street. The guy rushes us in and we're just on the stage and Rancid's playing. We're just on the fucking stage. (laughs) And we got I did, to that, like,
3: I we did like that at a terrible show
2: one time.
1: Yeah, and then they do an Op <laughs> Ivy cover and Ryan Waste goes to sing backups and he gets full Nelsoned right out of there by yeah. fucking and yeah. security. But they let us stay. He just pulled them off like the band's part like stage real estate and put us back like stage left. And then Tim Armstrong came and said what's up to us like after the show like right after, like when he was walking off the stage and was like, oh, sorry, if we would have known you guys wanted to do backups, you know, just we told these guys no one on stage. So that's why he like bum rushed you or whatever. And we're like, oh, no, it's cool. You know, we're on tour with Guar," And like Tim Armstrong's face lit up. He was like, oh, no shit, Guar! Like, you know, Operation Ivy played with Guar at at Gilman Street. Tell him we said what's up, you know. So cool that we're both still playing all these years later or whatever.
0: I totally forget they did a Gilman show.
1: Yeah, I I have. Well, I mean, I don't have the flyer, but I have a printout of the flyer.
0: That's an insane show. You
1: know, that was the first thing I did with the Internet. When the Internet first came out, I used to go to the library in Brighton, Michigan and look up. um, I don't even remember what the search engine was back then, but I would look up show flyers from California and print them out on the library computer (laughs) and then just just to, to like hang in my room. But that's my very first memories of the Internet was doing that.
0: Yeah. I i run it and printed out on Puss Zone. You could get Pusshead's list of the best records from the 90s, so I printed out that and then I went to Revelation Records and printed out the complete discography like just so I could have them in like a binder. And I still have these. Did, pu- print-
2: Did Puss Zone have the whole Skunk
0: Records catalog? On <laughs> yes, that was number 1 <laughs> on his list of the best records <laughs> from the 90s. or best it was very really best records from the 80s, so no, uh, they didn't make the list. Do you ever see them, Scotty? The Mighty Sublime. Oh, which band? Sublime. No, I never got to see Sublime. I think I saw them once, but I'm I like now I wonder if it's a false memory.
1: Yeah, they did <laughs> play. They did play Detroit. I think St. Andrew's Hall. Like when I was a fan, and like I just like couldn't get the night off work, or I mean, and it was like a huge deal for us to go to Detroit. So it like took a lot of planning and money and just everything. Um, so I had missed it and it wasn't it wasn't too much later that i like regretted not making more of an effort not even because he died but because i realized i was like a super fan And but i think at the time i was still like realizing how important live music was to me i was like on the cusp of realizing that like if i love a band i want to see him live from from the more casual which i was never a casual music fan but like from CDs being okay. Cause not growing up in a city, there just wasn't many options for shows.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ska too happening in like Michigan at that point. Right.
1: Oh yeah. There was, I will like mustard plugs still around, uh, Jack Kevorkian and the suicide machines. I mean, that was kind of, we've talked about this before, but that was kind of my gateway into like DIY punk and hardcore was through, um, punk ska that kind of like trained my ear. To go down and it was I always say once I got to uh, against all authority were aggressive enough. They were basically a punk band and then I could just slide right over and it's like, oh, I like punk and Scott.
0: Yeah, falling sickness too. I kind of lump into that category like a super yeah. aggressive band.
1: sublime. Also, I wish I would have seen them live because they were so bold like they would like headline los angeles in 1995 and open with a bad religion cover like the biggest band in town they'd just show up in their town and open and cover one of their songs for the first song of their set no one does that shit anymore that's like some old school like Jimi hendrix era shit just like covering a contemporary in their own town
0: what's the band that does like come come my lady sugar five babies crazy
2: (laughs) town crazy (laughs) town
0: they cover refuse knows
2: that they cover refuse I just car- honked my car horn like it was,
0: like I was on a game show. <laughs> he won. And ding, ding, ding. <laughs> they, did, they did a cover of uh, New Noise. So, And they're kind of like the sublime of their era. Um, <laughs> what band? Crazy Town. Sublime of the so, era.
1: <laughs> bands, bands don't cover contemporaries anymore, really. And I was in a really funny situation in Pittsburgh at the Mr. Roboto Project and uh born dead was playing and i don't remember if caustic christ was playing or if behind enemy lines was there but all of os rotten was in the crowd and born dead goes into an os rotten cover and the room like fucking froze and every pittsburgh kid is like looking at a member of os rotten for like approval to dance (laughs) <laughs> and then they didn't really get it like everyone in austraton was actually like weirded out and didn't like really like give an enthusiastic response to it
2: i feel like i feel like that band would have been like the least fun dudes on the planet but they're actually like couple of like some of my favorite human beings. Oh yeah, and, like, like partying with
1: Oz Rotten, how fun it is. You'd never think that <laughs> the guys from the, that
2: band they are like that. The, yeah, I mean, when I listened to them as a kid, I'd be, I was like, this is the these most guys intense are serious. band in Yeah, these in guys the world. are fucking serious. You meet like Corey and Eric, and they're like the coolest fucking, funnest dudes, like, I don't know. Love well, I was
1: saying how I, how I slowly went into like heavier and heavier music, when I first got my first Os Rotten record, that was like is punk, that was the punkest thing in my record collection. Almost, and I remember like beginning to like sprinkle it into my mixtapes. And just yeah. like, oh shit, my mixtapes are like getting punker than the misfits, getting punker than Scott. I'm sprinkling in some Os Rotten tracks here. You know, and then got like it. right then I think. After Os Rotten, then I discovered Havoc Records and then I was just a, then I knew about Crust like full on and like started collecting a, crust records.
2: I had a mixtape. It was Os Rotten, Drop uh Drop Dead and Dystopia.
1: Actually. Oh sick.
2: Yeah, and Os- Anti Schism. R- Do you remember Anti Schism? Yes. Was, like, I love Anti Schism. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yo, you know what's crazy is uh Sarah Burns, who's on the TV show um how to get away with murder. Um and was also in Barry when she was on the podcast. She brought up Anti Schism as one of her favorite bands. What? Yeah, the only wow, she has on her iPod currently or something.
1: They were so good. Like if they had um, if they had an active label reissuing their stuff, I think they could really be popping off right now. Like the way that like Nausea and Dystopia are so popular right now. I feel like Anti Schism is one of those bands. Like if they had like a if they had like a bold reissue, you know. If only we knew someone that could do that. (laughs) Well, I I always wonder, like, Ken Prank has so many classic records that he's not that, are you know, for whatever reasons. Like, I'm not putting them on blast, but I mean, he put out, you know, at least their discography. That's what I have. Like, I have like the every track CD on Prank.
2: Are you doing the initial state record?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a prank
1: one.
2: That's a fucking man. That's a banger.
1: Well, yeah. we used to stay with, uh, C-Voc used to do all our, all our shows in Texas. Those were big. Is cocaine legal yet? I could talk about that on this podcast. If we <laughs> oh, want to talk yeah. about playing Austin, Texas with trust fans,
0: <laughs> that, that was like the entry point for cocaine's reemergence in hardcore, I think is yeah. It all rough. came back it in, Texas. in Texas. <laughs> Texas.
1: The state it of back. Texas. Yeah. Yeah. They <laughs> fucked us. They, they made cocaine crust.
0: Yeah. It it was just, like, so different, the party at a hardcore show in Texas versus the party at a hardcore show in Toronto at the time.
1: Oh, well, we used to joke that you should take a day off after Austin because no one's going to bed till that Texas sun comes up anyways. So if you have a far drive the next day, like back when we would stay the full night and have breakfast at the town we played the night before, before moving on, like, that Austin will fuck you up you're yes. always late like whoever's next after austin like oklahoma city and houston like hate austin because the bands always miss sound check like you know like everyone's always late like the locals got to start before you get there and shit that kind of late
0: yeah it's one of those places that you hit on tour especially in that part of the uh us where you're just like You know the party's gonna be so good that night, but you know there's not a really a party before, not really a party after.
2: Yeah, party
1: after. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Austin always felt like super professional, kind of like the bit just because you'd play like emos or something that you like that was like covered on the on the internet or pitchfork or like south by southwest and stuff. So like coming through and playing emos as like a DIY band always felt like, oh shit, like We're we're playing this club, you know.
0: I always loved it because of Fuck Emos, the band. Oh, the fuck emos. (laughs) Yeah, the fuck emos. (laughs) Which I was I thought they were such a great band and and you know, I'm like, Oh my god, I'm playing the club they beefed with. (laughs) I think they had squashed it by then and played there though. But uh what selfless put out the original anti schism stuff, right?
1: That that sounds right. Yes,
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I have an initial state test press and that it was selfless. It was selfless. But I don't know who reissued it or if it was ever reissued. I
0: think Prank reissued the initial no, state. No, yeah, I
1: have. I don't know what he did Um, LP-wise. It was prank.
2: prank. But I
1: have the CD. I have, like, the discography CD on Prank.
0: Yeah, I love those. That Selfless Records has got to be, like, I love those labels where you look at them, you're like, that catalog, because it's not one genre. It's like all over the map and it's like all these like sc- you know i Weasel. feel
2: like that yes reason we the queers the, were on that Tony. didn't drop you do? Did, didn't iron ray didn't iron reagan do a record, record? Iron, iron reagan it was it clear clear view he moved now. it
1: to clear I'm view, clear view. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and there was a time when it was like both and then but yeah, yeah i mean just like for me like look when i discovered that that catalog of, of records on one label That like You know sometimes When you get into deeper and deeper punk You know you have to kind of like Shed your favorite bands as a teenager Kind of like you feel like you need to fit in and, and listen to cooler and more underground stuff And then it was like When I found out that like Selfless was doing Screeching weasels and queers Right next to Spaz and Drop Dead And anti-schism and stuff It was like oh okay like this makes sense to a, other people than besides just me. That was the Screechy Weasel born against split, too, right? That's that's insane. He did it's several that's out, Weasel think, records. Right? He did the first, oh, did was the first that Spaz album, first yeah. First bass album, Dwarf Jester Rising, which is now on wow. Tank Crimes was on, was on a, Selfless. Man. yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah,
2: Bovine's, Damn, that
0: is like that. Such
2: a, bovine's fucking great, dude. I crazy. Love
0: It's crazy, like first Boris uh turbo negro and uh like spaz and brutal truth split and uh
2: corrupted maybe it was corrupted, corrupted on there.
0: yeah maybe there's like corrupted split in there too i get bored i get that in reservoir mixed up sometimes reservoir definitely there's that um uh mm-hmm. what uh, what's it uh jesuit split with corrupted maybe is a corrupted jesuit split no it's news crush uh, corrupted split.
2: <laughs> I feel like all those bands are like
0: Kevin Bacon together, you know. Yes,
2: <laughs> <laughs> in my brain at least.
0: Yeah, uh, it's funny. Jason Green, uh, who sang an orchid, and and now he uh, has like a bunch of other projects. Now he was on the podcast recently and referred to himself as the Kevin Bacon of indie sleaze. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can who, get
1: I can get to him in one step. Kent McClard, Orchid guy.
0: Boom, I'm there. Boom, I just Kevin right Baconed
1: him in one step.
0: Yeah, who's the who's the Kevin Bacon of hardcore?
2: Oh, I mean, um, Dave, Whitty. Dave
0: Whitty. Yeah, like definitely Dave Whitty. Dave Whitty. <laughs> yeah. He's if you're. Uh, playing... I mean,
2: Damien,
1: you connect. You connect in in a different way, Damien. You connect so many people. Uh, because of your podcast because you connect different generations of punk you
0: know yeah Yeah. but i think i think the rule for me is you have to have toured with or put out a record with is yeah uh, yeah got it
1: that's what i was saying like your story is an extension of that because you've become like a journalist or a host is actually what i'd refer to you more as but um i force myself into other
0: people's stories
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you have to have shared a record or a backseat of a van with, with, with someone with or,
0: someone or, or been in a movie with them, I guess, too, for uh some of the links, or made a TV show with them. Played that was a, a big
1: difference, uh, Damien touring with you. When you were straight edge, you would sit shotgun, so you could uh whoever was driving, you could point to the record store we needed to go to or the restaurant you wanted to try. And then <laughs> And then now when we tour, it's me and you in the back back seat, like doing fucking vaping and fucking. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I moved we my Recording position. podcasts. Yeah. Like, I moved my position in the band and no longer have. <laughs> to the detriment of my back. Cause like the only place you get a captain's chair is up front. Everywhere else you get those like bench seats that cut.
1: Yeah. You're just sliding Whoa. in. and
0: Yeah. Like I, I really need to get to the back to the front seat, but now I gave it up to Sandy and I don't think she's giving it.
2: My back is rough right now. I'm having a bad time. <laughs>
1: Getting old. Have you tried
2: that hook Well, what, what do you mean? Hey,
1: both of you guys got big tours coming up.
2: I know. Man, I hope
1: you're in, you're in performance shape. <laughs> Have like, I tried one? You might
2: need a bacchalotomy. Me... <laughs> hey, hold on. Damien's going to give me some performance-enhanced drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <got one? laughs>
0: Have you tried that thing that's like a hook, and it's got all these little nubs on it? I forget what it's called. It's made out of plastic normally. And you can kind of like wedge it into the sore spot on your back and just like. Oh,
2: I've in. seen, I've seen those. I, my shit's like right in the center of my back.
0: It's crazy. No, that's why it's good. Trust me. Trust me. It, okay. like, it, it definitely, I would sit in the van and just do it. And people in the band would look around and be like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Cause you get this like am, amazing, like <laughs> orgasm face as you're just finally getting this spot in your back and just fucking working it.
2: Like, what are you doing? I'm warming up. Warming I'm just
0: just give myself uh, a little bit of joy. Just a moment of joy, please. Let me have this. <laughs>
1: uh, that reminds me, another fun thing that happens in the fucked up van is that Jonah works out in the van. Jonah does micro workouts in his seat. It and I was candle. like doing it with him. <laughs> yeah, Cagle. he'll do like, all right, clench your butthole for, five, for 15 <laughs> seconds and then breathe. So like do that but then i remember we were doing this exercise which was actually a really funny thing to do in the van you have to blow on a piece of paper and hold it on the roof of the van by blowing on it it's like a crazy exercise but oh, that's that's one of like the jonah in the van like staying in tip top condition
0: exercises
1: clench your butthole and blow a set list on the roof. <laughs>
0: That explains why when Jonah farts in the middle of the night, because we share room, we share a room on the last run. It's like almost like someone blowing a perfect C note on a trumpet. Like it's like Oh yeah, you do. He's doing those
1: he's doing those fucking butthole giggles. He's got a good tone out of that.
0: He's it's got amazing
1: a-
3: tone.
0: <laughs> if you need a horn player for your ska band, Scotty, he's got a cover. <laughs> How come there hasn't been a skank crimes release yet? Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> you wow.
1: know I tried. Yes. Yes. I vowed never I vowed to walk away and never talk about. <laughs> oh, I it, but about I, I forgot that. But it, about it was it I was I, I was almost there. And if it worked out, my very next move was hitting up Against All Authority because their first album Destroys What Destroy You's is still out of print, even Fucking though they're Love back that together. record That's the best they're, fucking record and it's Florida still out of print. It's I did Florida, I did some research because that was on like the trumpet players record distributed by no idea. And Ah. he left the band after that. And I have no idea how it happened, but they've never got that album back. It's not on streaming. It's not in print. And now it's become like an expensive discogs record and they're back playing shows and whatever it is, however they fucked up, they gave the damn trumpet players all the rights to their first fucking album, and he's holding on to
2: it. <laughs> See, they get all the chicks. And then they yeah. them-
0: <laughs> That's the only reason we never got a horn section
1: because it would just because you didn't want to put up with ska stuff, or you just it was the only guy available was the trumpet player from Against All Authority because they had a bad steal record.
0: your rights to your records. And yeah, so they'll take
1: all the rights.
3: Against everything. All Authority
1: was cool because they were punk. I mean, they were doing splits with. uh, the Pissed, and oh, well, fuck, Anti-Flag. But still, it was, like, different at the time that they weren't doing splits with other ska bands. They were doing splits with punk bands.
0: Yeah, when they did the split with The Pissed, that's how I first heard The Pissed. If I'm gonna be honest, it was like, a, it was through them.
1: I, alright, fuck it. I had a wet dream sleeping on the floor of L from The Pissed House. <laughs> <laughs> because it was when awesome. i because i couldn't you couldn't jerk off all the time when i was on tour with VoteSec. it was all women i was more polite it was like people asked me what it's like being in a band with all women different than band with all men i go there's less farting and less jerking off <laughs> everything else is exactly the same
0: uh. Will you say, though, that Fucked Up is the most sexless band you've ever been on tour with?
1: Well, Fucked Up, uh, I always, like, so I don't think I'm, like, super smart or super dumb. Like, I think I'm smart in my interests and maybe ambivalent about other things, but I'm not that, I mean, I didn't go to college. Uh So, like, I'm not, like, <laughs> higher educated or whatever, but I never feel dumb in a group of people, ever. But when I'm in the van with Fucked Up, I feel like the, least educated person in there because you guys all like read books and shit all the time (laughs) like seriously like you're on tour with fucked up everyone has like three books for the three week tour and I'm like okay uh, shit people be like what are you reading
2: and I'm like uh, maximum rock and roll I don't know (laughs) I remember like annihilation time and you like open their van door well, don't. I forget what the van van was called. I, I remember what it was called. The connection <laughs> is that the name of the fucking van. Well, they bought no, an old fucking country. yeah. It was called the country, the country. Connection. So I all can. they had
1: to do is sh- is scrape a couple letters off the back of that thing.
3: Oh, God,
1: because it was a legit around, like
2: community bus. They rode around the the country, and I think they got into Canada too. And the police opened the doors. And a bunch of porn mags like fell out. Oh, they had, like <laughs> porno on the walls. On the like, like they tape porn to the walls, and like, of course, like you know, like you know, a blast sticker, and then
0: like, <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, that's it. <laughs> Decorated. So I,
2: I would imagine that. That sounds like the opposite of what, what fucked up fan was like.
0: Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It is like it is like uh No fucked up van is like heater.
1: I I could sneak a porno into the van as a gag on everyone so everyone could be like aghast that it's there. <laughs>
0: yeah, definitely it would definitely be so weird. Like what the fuck is this doing here?
1: I think one time I bought like a bikini chick air freshener or something at a gas station and it like lasted like one mile down the road.
0: Yeah, we don't play. Fucked that. Up van. We don't play that at all. <laughs> nah, <I don't> no, but <laughs> My friend, uh, Daniel, uh, Makabe, who's this wrestler, uh, came on tour with us and I, he was riding with my, with the, the hallucination and he's like, can we switch, uh, vans? And like, I remember it was fucked up and I'm like, yeah, for sure. And it was awesome for me because I got along with the hallucination way better. And then he was like, your band, no one talks at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's no, not a very fun place to be.
1: <laughs> Everyone's reading. Like real books, not just their phone.
0: Yeah, very that's how, educated bunch. That's how bored everyone is. We gotta fucking read. <laughs> like, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> I don't know, yeah, you it's guys. Great.
1: Like, so honestly, like, yeah, I was like saying that as a joke or whatever, and I do feel like the I. I mean, I am literally the least educated person when I'm in the van with you guys, but that's still like fun for me. Like, I it it's it matters to me to have friends that have smarter interests, too. It makes me feel smarter, you know?
0: There's no way, though. Like, I watch the Waste tour videos, and I'm like, Municipal Waste is way more fun to tour in than Fucked Up. We, yeah, it we is. Have, yeah,
1: There's no way it's <laughs> yeah, it not. Is. There's
2: no way. <laughs> it is.
3: That's why
1: I spend, we like, uh, we like that's why I spend one week every two years with Fucked Up and, like, four months a
0: year with <laughs> Municipal Waste. Yes. Get that. I don't... <laughs> I completely understand. I very much. Uh, <laughs> I would too. <laughs> if I had the ability to it is a, yeah. Like, I, I think it's like one of those things where you hear about bands that are fun and people stick around cause it's fun. And there's some bands where people just stick around because I guess they're trapped. And I think we fall in that latter category. more than the former. Well, no, cause yeah. I
1: truly love everyone in your band. Everyone's just such a unique individual and so much different than other than other bands and i i think that i always just say it's because you're canadian but it's it's more than that you know you guys are every band's a unique group of people but fucked ups like was the most unpredictable group of people to meet when i just wrote your record label Gord deranged and said can i get a contact for fucked up i want to invite them to play san francisco
0: you believed in both our bands though super early on i absolutely that's did, true and i still do yeah, i absolutely did and
1: i still do and i mean the thing is is that um fucked up and municipal waste both went in their own directions but are the two lasting bands out of the scene that spawned tank crimes that's that's really an overlooked in 2024 there's no like music era more overlooked than the than the early 2000 underground 80s hardcore throwback crossover basement scene like it's just Do you not think that that's- covered
2: do you think that's like because of like the numbers? You know, nobody ever goes, oh man, the zeros were sick. Yeah, I, was, I said the ooh ooh.
1: I say the oo oohs sometimes. And I just said that in front of my wife like last night and she'd never heard me say it. And I was like, come on, I always say the ooh oohs. And she's like, you've never said the ooh oohs for the 2000s. Don't they call it the ouch? They call it the ouch. Aughts. They call it the Aughts, which is weird. I've I mean, never that's what they called that. like the ni- that's what they called the nineteen hundreds. So some te- people bl- breathe that back because that was like the last set of ooh-oohs. I have a prediction. There's two things I think happen. Why that's kind of an overlooked era is a first. A lot of the bands, even the ones that were the most popular, were already doing like a second wave of a style. It was like oh, '80s American hardcores back, crossovers back. It was like the bands were bringing sounds back from the basements back up. And then, you know, as, as those scenes grew, like negative approach gets back together, fucking tons of thrash bands get back together and start playing bigger shows that all bubbled up from our scene from the basements to the big stages. But so, so maybe when people get into it, they don't go back to what was happening in 2004, because they'll go back to what influenced what was happening in 2004. Second is that YouTube wasn't there. YouTube came out in like 2004, 2005. And then uh, good, like decent filming cell phones were another, you know, 10 years away. So it's while I today a lot of live music is way over documented. um, I think we were under documented and people Like fucking, yeah, like Paul from Godstomper just uploaded a 2005 fucked up set from the Hazmat warehouse in Oakland. So it's like, the shit didn't go. Oh, I remember that
2: fucking place. Wow. Yeah,
1: yeah, the Hazmat was awesome. But so that stuff didn't go right online to be archived. It's still being dug out and digitized from people's super eights and camcorders and shit.
2: Dude, I just found a VHS tape of a Roboto show in Pittsburgh. Yeah, see,
1: so, like, if that would have happened, whatever happened at Roboto last weekend, we can watch it right now. But what happened at Roboto in 2004 is on VHS tapes and Super 8 tapes. And, like, you know, um, a lot of that shit got thrown away when people moved out of their parents' house. Other of it, like, I've I've got a milk crate full of VHSs with live shows on it that, who knows if I'll ever get to digitizing it, you know? Who knows if I'll ever put it back in my VCR?
0: It was a weird period because it's that period of the death of medium and pre-digital. So people weren't videotaping shows like they had been before. Like there was no like commerce in it, I guess, for people to do it anymore. So it was just like, yeah, there'd be like
1: maybe one camcorder like that. What I just said that Paul Paul from Godstomper, I would he's he's not a tall man. And I would always see him at shows because he would put his camcorder on a tripod and just hold it up in the air from the back of the room, so you could see him. Because I was, if I wasn't on the stage, I was usually up in front, but you could, you knew he was there because you'd see this little '90s camcorder, you know, peeking up above everyone's head from the back of the warehouse or basement. Mm-hmm.
2: You knew he was there because you somehow were on a split with Godstone. Right? You left <laughs>
0: yeah. the room. You didn't know how that happened. Uh. No, that's what uh, Agathocles, right? Yeah, Agathocles know. is Agathocles. With, every, with every split. Yes. They got to be the I most. God
2: Stomper had, they had, they had some splits. They, they
1: have had a lot.
0: They had some splits. God
1: Stomper's <laughs> still playing DIY shows in Oakland now. God Stomper was funny for years because they would book shows and just not show up for a really long time, which <laughs> yeah, is just kind sick. of a weird move. And like everyone just gave them a pass. Like, ah, it's God Stomper. What you going to do? Maybe they'll come next time. the other thing that's interesting and this is a weird sonic weirdness i think for our early era was that the first god stomper lp was on dead alive records which ended up being like the tear it up and victims and annihilation time label like god stomper doesn't really fit sonically with what he ended up doing and he's from the east coast but that he plucked like fucking god stomper out of like santa clara california in 2002 to be his first lp on a label that actually like did shit, you know
3: mm-hmm.
0: well that's like i guess god stomper were a slap a ham band right like i think show. they
1: had a seven inch
0: in there yeah one of the singles on slap ham and stuff so i guess yeah they had that they had that stamp of approval
1: I think God Stomper was fucking awesome. What did they have? We said the fuck emos. Hold on. I got a sticker back here. Oh, emo attitude sucks is what my God Stomper sticker says with a guy with two fingers in his ears back over here on my record bin. <laughs> it- God Stomper, by the way, the sickest band name, the sickest band name, like they back it up with sonically, but they wouldn't even have to. They're just like God yeah. Stomper.
0: Yeah, it's fucking name. awesome. It's a hard name. Not a lot of nuance. Bulldoze. That's a pretty hard name. Bulldoze is a good one. Oh, my God favorite Stumper name is, sounds
1: punk, though. Where a bulldoze sounds heavy metal. My favorite name is
2: Cocaine Summersplash. Oh,
1: <laughs> I'm playing that fest uh, in um in Orlando in August. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh wait, no, it's in is, Austin. That, that's a real. It's in Austin in band.
1: 2006.
2: Real band name from from yeah. Chattanooga, like in the early 2000s, had like the sickest fucking band names there was what like, operation cliff clavin uh, uh yeah yeah uh, what was the other one there were cocaine summer splash uh, uh 200 leagues under my nuts <laughs>
1: <laughs> i liked operation cliff clavin that was like the first like that was maybe the first and maybe only like folk punk band i ever like like oh queer any-
2: wolf queer wolf was oh queer one wolf's a great name yeah they were a sick band too <clears throat>
0: There were AIDS Wolf and Cancer Bats from, uh, well, I guess at that point, Montreal.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, yeah. Uh, cancer Bats are still at it, right?
0: I think AIDS Wolf might be still at it, too. Siri Pop, you know the people that did, they did rock from the uh, Crypt Record and stuff? Um, okay. So, uh, but they, they, yeah, they were, uh, I think Cancer Bats got their name, if I'm not mistaken, from AIDS Wolf.
2: Do you guys think we lost the audience on this? The show is all this.
1: You know, the show we're, is... The,
2: we're just in the van yelling over each other. It's like we all <laughs> went with Scotty.
1: About bands this we saw. Like,
2: this is what it's like with Scotty, guys. And just yelling over each other about yes. bands.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely.
2: Holy uh, shit. That's amazing.
0: Uh, Scotty, though, your, your dad played in a garage rock band, right?
2: Yeah, my dad
1: played in a band called uh, HP and the Grassroot Movement, and they did uh, two 7-inches, with two forty fives in the late 60s, and one, um, and this really speaks a lot to what live rock and roll was like in the late 60s, um, was put out by the Bloomfield-Berkeley Teen Center, because a lot of their shows were at teen clubs around Detroit and around Michigan, where they would do, like three one hour sets of covers while like for like a, for a all ages crowd who would like dance and stuff all night long. So their first seven inch was put out by the Berkeley Bloomfield, which are two suburbs right outside Detroit, Berkeley Bloomfield teen center. And their second EP is, uh, was put out by hideout records, which is Bob Seger's label. Oh, whoa. And what's really cool is that when Bob Seger bought his masters back from Capitol he reopened hideout records. So hideout records is an active label now that hosts all Bob Seger's catalog. And I have the seven inch of my dad's band on that label from 67
0: or 68. That's awesome. So would they have played, I guess, with Amboy Dukes and, uh, MC five, those types of bands.
1: Yeah, not MC five. They did play with Amboy Dukes and, um, and then so it was like the Grandy Ballroom in Detroit was like the the spot right then. And then like I found out later that my my uncle, my dad's older brother was like one of those like a, a, the hippie with like the American flag top hat who used to like sit out in front of the Grandy Ballroom. And it was kind of just like a, a scene stir everybody knew. And he was just like bugged out of his mind on acid all the time. <laughs> but yeah, they were playing that. But a lot of the bigger bands from the era they didn't get to play with because they were so young. So they were really on their own, like the teen circuit because the bars were just, it was a whole, the bars and clubs were just a whole separate thing. What mm-hmm. wonder if they played and with then, the dogs. I wonder, the thing is, is my dad's, my dad's memory is not that great about it either. So it's like, he remembers like five highlights, okay. but you couldn't, like if you had him on turned out a punk, it would be very disappointing. Or if, <laughs> if Nardwar showed up, it would just be like, <laughs> oh man, he doesn't know anything about this. He, yeah. he's like telling you to ask me yeah. but the singer of my dad's band uh was harry perry who is the guy he got famous out on venice beach because he roller skates around in his turban and plays guitar and he was like in fletch a lot of just like movie montages when they're like oh, chevy, chase. chevy
3: chase chevy yeah, chase dressed
1: yeah. up as him in fletch yeah, and so yeah. like uh, a, a lot of like skates. openings, yeah. like a lot of like montages yeah. when they're doing like Venice Beach boardwalk, they'll show like Muscle Beach and like some stuff, and then they'll show Harry Perry like roller skating through and stuff. And I've met him a few times over the years. I always track him I down sh- when I'm done. Tony, clip- you met him
2: one time, right? I, I met him. Yeah, you I just, saw just said a hi clip to him. Of him. I saw a clip of him today on Instagram. Actually, oh, wow. I don't know if it was an old an old clip, but just coincidentally. But yeah, I said hi to him. I said hi to him. And um, I, I tried to, I go, yeah, I think my, my friend's dad was in a band with you. And I was like, can I get a photo? He's like, yeah, man, like five bucks. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm yeah, he's like a good story, bro. I'm working. That's a friends and
0: family discount, buddy.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> he did. When I met him, I got him to get out of character when I met him. And it was really funny because when I walked up to him, he started playing a song to, for me and like, really like, you know, he's a real psychedelic dude. So I don't know if his brain's a little fried from taking too much acid. You can definitely go there with that drug. But he was like, looking me in the eye and like playing me this song. And then when he stopped, I was like, Oh, Hey, my, my dad's Craig Heath. He was, you know, he was your bass player and, and he broke out a character. So it was really cool. He was like, Oh no shit. And then he's like, well, what do you do? And I was like, I actually own a record label. And this was pretty early on in Tank Crimes. But he goes, <laughs> it was so funny. He goes, hey, who do you use for digital distribution?
0: <laughs> <I was
1: like, laughs> <laughs> it's just a really funny <laughs> thing for him to say to me out of
0: character. Does he have records oh, out shit? there?
1: I bought a CD from him. He never really ended up on a label. I had a dream at one time when I was working with that band, The Shrine was from Venice. And I really thought it would be sick if I could somehow get The Shrine and Harry Perry together on a track. You know, but it yeah. just never worked out. You know, Harry Perry's like really off the grid. I even saw some rumors a couple years ago that he died and like somebody like came out of the woodwork to like confirm it was a rumor because he's really big in like Grateful Dead parking lots too. So that's like his other scene besides like tourist stuff.
0: Okay. Well, that's got to be probably a brisker business too of the Grateful Dead parking lot.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a whole shakedown street, baby.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I want to go to a Grateful Dead show just for the parking lot, to be honest.
1: There was kids from my high school that would go just to buy as much drugs. It was like a wholesale market. <laughs> so like people would like save up money. They're like, Oh dude, I got 340 bucks. I'm going to buy every drug I can and bring it home and turn it into like a thousand dollars back in Brighton, Michigan.
2: <laughs> I had a friend in high school that went to a, um, dead show, you know, what 94. And, uh, Somebody dumped a vial of acid on his head and I'd never seen him again. They said he ran oh, they, they said he went, was running around flipping over tables and shit and he got arrested and I never saw that dude again. Like, what? I don't yeah. I mean he I think they he got like institutionalized or something. But somebody came up behind him and dumped a vial of acid on his head. Yeah,
1: I mean acid is dangerous. De- thinking- that's
2: like worse than murdering somebody man yeah it really is because it but (laughs) if you had a bad trip for life well it's weird because it affects
1: different people different ways some people took acid one or two times and it changed their whole brain to this day and i probably take an acid like 100 times and it changed me when i was taking it that frequently but it just kind of wears like it wears off after it goes away acid when i moved to san francisco you could buy Two micro dots for five dollars on Hate Street all day long. You could get liquid acid in a vial. You used to just you could walk Ooh. up to like some hippies and ask them for a. They called it a puddle, and you would just hold out your hand and they would squirt the liquid acid Hell as much no. fit in the cup of your hand, <laughs> and you would just fucking take it down right there. You'd just be like puddle. Yeah. What? No way. Yeah. And then I don't know what happened. I've actually always been waiting for like, if like a film or a documentary somehow covers this and I get to see it, but acid pretty much just disappeared in 2002. It just went away. It was fucking everywhere. And then it was nowhere. And I was doing it so much. I'm I'm glad it went away. And I'm also glad it, it it's not an addictive drug because it just went away and all of a sudden we couldn't buy it anymore. And then I just never did acid again. Like I haven't done acid in over twenty years, but I've done it over a hundred times. It just went away, and then by the time like acid started showing up again, I'm just kind of like my attitude toward like I'll eat some mushrooms every now and then, but my attitude towards acid now is like I've I did the shit out of that when I was a kid.
0: Yeah, there are mushroom stores in Toronto now, like lots of them.
1: Yeah, I did some make legal some, mushroom some gummies. In store? It was
0: awesome. Yeah, they like wow. you, can buy, you can buy mushroom gummy bear bars here and like. It's wild because it's like kind of like when the weed boom happened here and all these illegal dispensaries popped off here, but um, the mushroom ones, like I don't know, like to me mushrooms are not a party drug. Like I could not imagine. No, not at all. Not at all.
1: We end up doing them on tour sometimes, and I always just like disappear because it is not a party drug. I like to be alone on tripping. The
2: last, the last Heaven's Gate show I played, I was on mushrooms fucking awesome you did a show on it and it was fun oh wow the the last time i I, last time i played with heaven's gate i I, I didn't take a lot but it fucking ruled it was really it was a really good experience yeah i did some legal gummies (laughs) and
1: this is gonna sound like a bad trip but i did some legal gummies over the summer and i really kind of wanted to like get out of my head so i ate like five of them so i kind of went overboard but but I fucking cried for two and a half hours and it was one of the best trips I've ever had. It was like, I just like, it doesn't, it sounds like a bad trip, but if you have psychedelic experience, you can understand how that could, it was very therapeutic. It was really, really good. And it almost could be my last trip. Like it was that therapeutic that I was like, wow, that that really did something positive for me. Like, thank you, mushrooms. Keep it moving.
0: I'll take mushrooms like once in a while um at home and then i used to take him on tour and i think the last time i took him on tour uh we were playing Halifax pop explosion and jonah's like in my you know jonah's my roommate so i take him and i'm like i'll just go in the bathroom and watch a movie and so i go in the bathroom watch a movie and i'm like okay i'll go to sleep now and then i couldn't sleep because like the smoke detector all night i thought kept going like ee, ee. and i'm like this is fucking worst thing like it was like keep me up all night And then I wake up the next morning, and Jonah's like, man, you were pretty fucked up last night. I'm like, I don't think I was that fucked up. He's like, dude, all night you kept going,
2: (laughs) 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 I thought you were going to say it was your tinnitus or something.
1: No. So it was just you making the noise that was keeping you up all night long. That is incredible. That is a good story. That's a good, and it's short and sweet, too. Good good psychedelic story. (laughs) No
2: one was annoyed. No one was annoyed about that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> jonah was a little bummed but you know he's farting like a trumpet so what the fuck do i care
1: perfect tone he's like c sharp
0: yeah <laughs> yeah does jonah party uh does yeah like- once in a while you can get into a party He like you know what it is though it's virginia Virginia's like the austin of uh richmond uh, i mean in particular is the austin of uh sort of the southeast
1: I can see that for sure. Party, t- it's party town.
0: Party town, and and Jonah, we would go there, and Jonah would start speaking different. Like he'd kind of get a little bit of a a drawl like to his southern, voice. little southern. Yeah, and then we'd say, like, I wonder if
2: that's, I wonder if that's a Brandon influence on him a a little bit. It is because Brandon
1: had the full drawl. So you would get around him and it would influence you to speak like that.
0: Yeah. And then (laughs) we'd lose Jonah because he wouldn't stay with us. And then the next morning we'd always see him and he'd be wearing the the Richmond uniform, we called it, where he'd have a leather jacket on with no shirt underneath.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Dude, There was one best friends day where fucking Brandon rolled up with the, it was like a hundred degrees outside. Brandon rolls up with black gloves on and no shirt on and a black leather jacket <laughs> and it says and in Sharpie it says or oh, I'm sorry, white white out, it says kid rock real big on his back of his <laughs> jacket. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that shit was so funny. Dude, Iro-
1: ironic back patches were a legit thing in the late in the in the ooh <laughs> It's- Chris Grande from Annihilation <laughs> Time had a had a Sharpie Eddie Money fucking
2: backpatch, which uh, then they
1: got Eddie Money's phone number and gave
2: it to Longmont Potion Castle. Yeah, dude, we used to call him. We used to call Eddie Money. I mean, I think everyone on this podcast has called at least Eddie Money at least once, right? Like- I've been, I've been on the, I've been in the room. I never dialed the numbers.
0: <laughs> I, oh, I have. Yeah, I that was the thing for a while, though, is like getting someone famous's phone number. And calling yeah. them and just being, like, like trading people's number. I remember someone going, like, do you want Flea's phone number? And I'm like, ah, uh, sure. And they're like, what do you got? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's like trading cards. Yeah. yeah,
0: it's great. Like, I don't know if I really want to trade into this thing. I think he's going to be probably changing his uh, number real soon. <laughs> well, <laughs> any money was great because he would
2: always answer. Like and he'd be so yeah, hit. no, he liked he would get it. Worked
1: up. He liked yeah, he it. Get, he was like, like a glutton for yeah. punishment. He liked having somebody yeah. to yell at and shit. We're yeah. all gonna
0: be like that one day. We're just gonna want. He attack. was
1: like a, he's like a drunk lady mm-hmm. telling the cops she knows his, her rights or something like <laughs> after she does something stupid. Like he was definitely had that kind of energy. Like wanted to let <laughs> y- he had to convince you what you were doing was wrong and you needed to admit it. Like prank phone calling.
3: <laughs> it's not
1: what was
2: it. But I think the story, the story was, it was Grande or somebody with the Annihilation Time dudes, and was it his daughter that was at the party His daughter was, was at a
1: party in Ventura or Ojai or something, and somebody stole her phone and, and got the number dad out of it. And they called it, and it was, and anybody answered. <laughs> and, then they- <laughs> and then they kept it. And they used to call it from parties all the time from the Annihilation Time house. And then yeah, they gave it to fucking Longmont Potion Castle. So
0: it's like <laughs> wait, now that we're talking yeah, about this, Tony, so I gotta ask you, what's it like oh, hanging out with John Travolta?
2: Oh <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's not
2: what I thought you were gonna ask me. Um yeah, it was fun. It, we, 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 it's, uh, we did it a couple times and it was really cool. It was super nice. I got to watch the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay is my football team, and we got to watch the Super Bowl on his boat, like five of us party partying. He didn't party that night, but uh, it we, it was a tremendous experience. Um, he was a great host. Yeah, it sounds no, like he's an awesome host from
1: everybody. I didn't who's, join who's been the there. church. I didn't join the church. <laughs> everyone asked That's me everybody's that. second question when they ask you about it, right, yeah. Tony? <laughs>
0: Yeah, like, like I don't know him like, that well.
1: It, I just got drunk on his it, boat.
2: <laughs> it's not like that. He's he's super inquisitive. He 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 was, he's fascinated about what we do. Um and uh he he's a fucking great host and, and we just had a lot of fun, stayed up all night, and ended up watching Ted. I stayed up all night. <laughs> he has <he> not sleep <laughs> Yeah, he sleep, he has weird hours, so we always Whenever I stayed there two times, um, we stay up all night. And I, I was showing him, like, news bloopers. <laughs> Fucking love news
0: bloopers. So you're telling me, you're telling me that hanging out with George Vols is a lot like hanging out with Tony yeah, <laughs> Watching Not, not as much pro
2: wrestling. Not as much pro no. wrestling, no. <laughs> Uh
0: Did he pick Ted or did you? I think it came on
2: after the Super Bowl or something. That we all just like, we're like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> we're like on the fucking boat, right? Like we're we're in we're in Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay is playing in Tampa Bay. It was so sick, and he was in the fucking commercial at the Super Bowl. <laughs>
1: oh, he was in a commercial of that night. Yeah, dude, one of the biggest. Yeah, so we and all like right. had
2: a. We all had a like you know I think we had some champagne and celebrated that. It was fucking awesome, man. That's my boy Jimmy who hooked all that up. Jimmy Marino. You gotta get him on the podcast. He was like one of the last uh roadies for the Ramones and shit. yeah, no, yeah. Jimmy got, like, Marino would be a great
1: uh would be a great fucking, turnout of Oh him, so. dude. Yeah,
2: you could you could man. That
1: would be a really good
2: one. Yeah, that'd be and awesome. And my my headphones are dying. Hold on.
1: I know. I love Grease, by the way. It was my mom's favorite movie. I grew up watching Grease like all the fucking time, dude. I fucking love. Well, are that you movie excited so much.
2: about Grease too? <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I would, just fucking love Grease. I can sing every word to every fucking song. I love that movie so fucking much. It's so good.
0: You know, I, I would watch Primary Colors with him. That one where he played Bill Clinton. <laughs> oh God! Uh, I gotta, well, do you remember? Do
2: you remember when he played Ethel Bailey in the fucking OJ one? Oh, yeah. That's, oh, that, that was is good. That he was great in that OJ
1: one. Yeah. I thought he, he wasn't Robert Kardashian. Oh, no, that was Schwimmer. Okay, yeah, yeah. no, that was great. He was
2: great. You should that. get fucking Chimotron turned out a turn, <laughs> get get on, on turn punk. Because he was telling me some crazy ass stories. Like, oh, man, I don't know if I can tell I need to get the Grease soundtrack. Come
0: on. on I'm right. sure it's, so as long, as, long it. as it's not <laughs> sketchy.
2: <laughs> no, it wasn't sketchy. I just don't want to be throwing shit around. But uh, but was he like a punk Yeah, never mind. I'm like. No, no, but he, um, he he like befriended Fred Durst that he had like some cool like Fred Durst stories. Totally it's not punk at all. Oh, well, Brandon wore a Kid Rock jacket. That's <laughs> punk, right?
1: Uh, John Travolta had a leather jacket in Greece. Yeah. Yeah. Fred Durst. We saw Fred Durst in Belgium on Dave Whitty's birthday, and Fred Durst was cool as shit to us. And I tried oh, to do goodness. ten. I tried to do 10 push-ups on stage on a festival stage while Limp Biscuit was performing. And their stage manager picked me up by my feet and pulled me off. And I had to like backwards walk out like this. And he just goes, Come on, man, you know better than that. And he didn't kick us out. He just made us go back to like stage right.
2: And I also got I got real sketchy with the mayor of
1: <laughs> Yeah, we party with the mayor that night or whatever that town Alcatraz <laughs> Fest is in. He was having the
2: best. time. The mayor was just full on rage mode. It was awesome. He yeah, sent that us. Was a remember, great night. Remember when we we did another
1: festival that was like on the on the Belgium side of France? So it was kind of close to to his town. And he sent us chocolates. Do you remember yeah. this? The mayor oh, of that yeah. town, the mayor we parted with, then knew another show we were playing like the next year and sent chocolates like from the mayor yeah. fucking awesome i had you know what else i had i ate the best <laughs> mustard with that dude they had like the sickest mustard <laughs> Frank Durst? Frank Durst no the mayor? the mayor the
0: mayor yeah. i thought it was yeah. cool that we partnered with the president of buffalo wild wings but that is what awesome. <laughs> wow <laughs> where was yeah. he he came to see us play in detroit or the guy who founded it and then i think he had sold it for a lot of money at that point but because he grew up close to the border, he's really into Canadian music. Is what I heard. So, oh, is he yeah. from Buffalo? Oh. But like, no, that... no, like Detroit, I think. Oh, okay. And they went to Buffalo and. To <laughs> Why do you call Detroit Wild? They
1: call it <laughs> Coney Island Dogs.
0: I think originally they serve Coney Island Dogs too.
1: Yeah, Coney. I mean, Coney's is what it. That's what they call a diner in Detroit. Is a Coney or Coney Coney Island? They're all because yeah. it's all Greek owned, and they sell. Chili dogs. Well, beanless chili dogs is the way to do a Detroit style.
0: Yeah. I love those. <laughs> They're like a, a damn fine hot dog. One up i one fuck. I found a,
1: I found a, uh,
0: I found a canned
1: beanless vegan chili. So I made, we watched that show Detroiters and then I went and found that so I could make my wife a, a proper coney while vegan, but a proper Detroit style. Coney.
0: Do you remember that place? The big O in, uh, in Pittsburgh. Oh, the O, O, o fries. O. He was
1: just called the O, just called yeah. the O. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I used to eat O fries out of the trash with Jimmy Rose. <laughs> <don't know> <laughs> also, Al from Hell Nation called me a churterer when I was just vegetarian and still ate cheese. Al from Hell Nation's like, you're a fucking churterer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, this came from the trash. Isn't that freaking? Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh
3: shit
0: they That's had a funny. famous hot dog there though that was like a they had one of the best hot dogs in america according to. well
1: American damien products. you and i ate okie dogs we did we ate okie dogs together when we both yep. ate meat we fucking chowed those things they're gross but we had to
0: i think i still have heartburn <laughs> from that
1: we just did it like for historical it was so funny like we didn't like them and we're like finishing eating them and i'm like for history <laughs> For, I'm a- for california punk for the germs <laughs> i'm like every bite i'm like saying why it's cool even though it's gross
0: <laughs> I, I don't know i i, I kind of liked them like I, think I was like oh it's like pastrami it just felt
1: like drunk food like everybody's put a yes. hot dog in a tortilla when you didn't have any buns in the in the cupboard and they like made it a thing
0: you know it's, it's one of those things where you're like chewing it and you're like it probably better off at this point swallowing a cup full of razor blades the oh, way my stomach's going to feel in an hour from now
1: <laughs> what was in it what else was in it was it it's, just a chili dog and a tortilla or what was no. the other weird thing in it
0: cheese pastrami chili hot dog and I think mustard and they roll it up in the tortilla and, and grill it
2: and Pat Smear so a cigarette out on it Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: right.
2: that's what we call
1: the NFC cocktail that's when you drop a cigarette butt in your 40 and keep drinking it NFC cocktail <laughs>
0: i think uh the first time they went to philadelphia i heard someone tell me a story that they walked up and uh Changi was eating uh beans with a stick out of a can
1: oh they're famous for that yeah they were doing that my very time very first time i meet in epc they played a show at uh... <laughs> I think both of you guys have been there Warmwater cove and sf
0: yeah did i have yeah. a book
1: either Are you guys there we played there. okay it was just a generator spot right out on the bay like it's actually been gentrified, that neighborhood, but it was actually like just kind of no man's land down the bay in SF. And uh we used to throw shows down there. In was A, the only band that was ever loud out there, which was just crazy because they're just like a loud motorheady band. But the first time I met them, we pull up, they are eating beans out of a can with a stick. Just like Damien said, they're famous for that. They like that was like their thing. Like they love to pull out the can of beans when they got somewhere. But they also had a teenage runaway with them that they like brought over the border oh and God. it said, see you in hell spray painted on the back of their van with Quebec
2: plates in, in America. It's fucking awesome. Bold, <laughs> is, that tour? Bold punks. Is, that, is that the tour where one of them did like a bunch of PCP and they just like kind of let him go near the border and he like ran across the border. Yeah. Or some, there's like an urban legend of that. Yeah,
1: there's yeah. a lot. Of, I mean, they were only allowed into the states a few times. That was the they. That was the only time they came to the West Coast, I think. And it was before the album came out, and they were doing this. Is this will also date when it was? They had burnt CDRs of the seven inch. But remember, wow. if you like, if you burnt a shitty MP3, like the symbols sounded digital when you'd play it back. So, like, my first NFC recording is a, C, a burnt CD of the seven inch where it's me and Mark, you would call it JPEG symbols, but it was that burnt CD symbol where it was like, it was like a synthesizer or something, you know, but it sounded it sounded like it was broken into pixels somehow is what is how it sounded to me.
0: The, the first time we, uh, not the first time, it would have been the second time we played the Loud House, maybe the th- third time. We played the show with them at the Loud House and my 16-year-old cousin came and someone dosed him with PCP it like oh that's oh, a, that no. is not
1: that uh, it was that's some it, Debo shit man that it, is some the my, worst make a Debo joke. <laughs> <laughs> How mind. did I beat Tony to the Debo yeah. joke? I don't know. <laughs> Damn dude. Yeah, but it, that's like one of the nast. I mean that. Yeah, both the pouring the head and the acid thing that Tony started dosing, dosing someone with a hard drug is criminal, and I yeah, love drugs. Okay. But that's bullshit. Yeah, that's too bad. But yeah, yeah, so so was he was he sweating in the chicken coop after the
0: fucking it was we're playing our set and he keeps running up on stage and taking swings at me, like he's trying to fight me during our set, and I'm like, This is so and then afterwards I go up and talk to him, and I'm like, Oh, he's super fucked up. And then it was uh abundantly it's also
1: crazy that we all kind of come from a place where that you can be in places like the house and someone gets dosed with PCP and you have to be like, well, that's just what happens here. And like, yeah. we've accepted shit like that. That's so fucked up. And it's like that. I don't, we're like, at a, "It's this is some punk shit. It happens, you know, historically yeah. it has happened and it will continue to happen. And it's happening tonight while I'm in the room.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was out in LA a couple of years ago. And I was talking to these kids at like a DIY show and they were like, I'm like, what's the biggest problem facing DIY stuff here? And they're like the NOS dude. I'm like, what's that? They're like the nitrous guy, the guy that comes and tries to sell nitrous at shows. I'm like, oh, wow, it's like a big issue. They're like, yeah, it, it fucks up everything. But I guess Why? that's,
2: so, it, I, that's... Yeah. <laughs> the nitrous, but it's dude so fun. A,
0: a hard gang, <laughs> and I guess the nitrous guy will, they're like fights around the nitrous tank. I don't know if it's still a problem. This is, as I say, 2019, uh, talking to these kids. I feel like,
2: so. like that was like in Philly because I've
0: definitely like saw that at Philly shows. It was in LA when I was talking to these kids. Yeah, okay. no, it
1: gets bad because, I mean, there's a reason they call it hippie crack, dude. So if you have dangerous people around and in a party situation where everybody's fucked up and you're selling nitrous, that's like sketchy. And then in you're in L.A., you know it's sketchy, so you bring a couple big boys with you to help guard the tank, and they usually get put to use.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And plus people are just falling all over because you like black out on nitrous all the time. So people are like, I fell one time and rolled under a car. And then when I woke up, I stood up really quick and (laughs) smacked my head underneath the car. It's fucking the worst.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Damien, when's the last time you did nitrous? I've never
0: done it. I feel. Oh, it's
1: fun. (laughs) Not even off
0: a whipped cream can? No, no. But then in another show on that same run, there was a kid selling whippets off the table. So I could have, I guess, tried the whippet there. (laughs) Experience yeah.
1: something close <laughs> to The tank yeah, is just cool. so much crazier though because there's so much such an abundance of it, you know, like the whippets, there's only so much in each one. And you can maybe sometimes put two into a balloon or something, but like walking away from the tank with like three or four full balloons, because they're usually they're usually priced so you buy more. You know, they're usually like one for six, two for ten, you know, five for twenty shit. Shit like that. So they really want, because it is crack. So it's like, if I can get you to do two balloons, I can get you to spend all the money in your pocket.
0: Wow. So it's addictive, right? Apparently?
1: No, not physically. It's addictive while you're doing it. It's like, no matter who you are and what your experience with drugs are, all you want, if that if there's still more, you want to go back to that place where you just spent 15 seconds. It's so weird. It's so wasteful. It's such a weird drug,
2: but Yeah. I don't think it's good for you either. Oh, I don't think so. No. I don't think so. I think
1: it does something to your brain. The whole drug is, it's like cutting off oxygen to your brain. And then you get to trip for 50 seconds because of it.
0: There are are definitely, like, like when you do um, DMT, it feels like, yeah, this is something my brain's supposed to experience. Like, it doesn't feel like you're uh, fucking with shit, but I imagine... Like when you do acid, sometimes you're like, yeah, I don't know if my brain's meant to be experiencing this.
1: Oh, when you do good acid, I can feel it. I can feel it. Like as soon as it hits my mouth, I can feel it like visceral, like going through my, all my blood veins <laughs> into my nerve endings. I feel it like go from my mouth down all the way to the tips out of my fingers and the tips of my toes. That's Maybe how you it's- know it's going to be a good night. <laughs> <laughs> like Steve. Rogers it works. Superhero serum. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. It's kind of like that
0: a <laughs> great advert tank crime is acid well we 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 could talk forever but you guys both have to get on with your lives so tell us about the brain squeeze tour well, so, it's free,
2: okay and then we're gonna have nitrous tanks in detroit and then- <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: and tony's headphones are dying because you're blurry now. you're getting blurry tony i don't know shit so, man uh w- one thing that's cool is that both you guys have played the Tank Crimes Brain Squeeze. Both fucked up and Waste has played it twice. Fucked up played it once. That was fucking awesome. And uh, honestly, this Brain Squeeze tour, fucking Tony, like surprised me with it. It was like a gift from Tony. So that's how we yeah. ended up doing a Brain Squeeze tour. Tony like called well, me and is like, "Ghoul finally said yes. We I've asked him. It's the last time I'm asking Ghoul to go out on tour with Waste. It's been 100 tries. They finally
2: said well, yes." We've we've talked about doing a brain squeeze, or not even with Municipal Waste, but Scotty always says he wanted to do that, and take it on the road, and it's a whole, you know, it's a big fucking production to do something like that, and things kind of fell into place with us and Ghoul, and then, you know, obviously we would want to get Necrot. And then Dead Heat was an easy choice, too. So it's like, these are all tank crimes bands. Like, we can finally do this.
1: Yeah, and you it know? just worked out like that. It, it was always too much for me to really handle. Like, now that we're actually doing it, I think we would have only pulled it off this way, where it just started off as a waste headliner. And, like, three tank crimes bands could could all can- commit to the same time. And that's how hey, it just kind of worked.
2: We have a lot to thank uh, Nick Storch for that, too. For,
1: for Yeah, Tony's Booker, Nick Storch, like, really. I mean, he did all the heavy lifting, you know? Like, I keep giving Tony credit, but I think Tony just hit the go button with, with his guy. But um, And I like the idea of, I always just like, I mean, the reason that Brain Squeeze came together in the first place, and I always do this with all my shows in Oakland, is I just like to give everything, like, maybe not a theme, but even if you just name a show... Um, it just kind of makes it more of an event. I always did it with the tank crimes takeovers and the tank crimes boogaloo's and shit, or actually it was the burger boogaloo. I never did a boogaloo, but I did something like that. I I just stole someone else's branding, but uh, (laughs) I just always liked the idea of like making, Oh, we did the splatter thrash bash one time. I just always liked the idea of like branding a show. It makes it more of an event and kind of makes it a big deal. So taking that to a whole tour and then any label my size, of course, like a kind of a label showcase tour. It's, it's so fucking cool cause it's so hard to do at the level I'm at. Like I'm at the level where there's demand for it, but not at the level where every band is playing guitar for a living and can just say yes to the dates, you know? I mean, um, so it really just, just worked
2: an... out perfect. Yeah. I, I mean, it's something I'm like, I'm super excited, too. I've, I've always wanted to tour. I love Nacrot. Like, Sonny, I met Sonny, I think he was still in Word Salad. I mean, one of the first, the first time I ever drove cross-country, I stayed at his house. That um, house with
1: the bomb? They had the bomb in the yeah, backyard? Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. I think some of the logical nonsense people were there. I'm not sure. But um. anyway. Steel was
0: probably there. Yeah, Jackass. no, I was gonna
1: say, I think that's where Steve, it came up on your podcast that Steve-O had partied there, too.
0: Yeah, Steve-O, that was Okay, Steve-O's yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, and then, um, I mean, fuck, dude, Dead Heat's like, the young, the young thrashers, you know, it's great to have a fucking young thrash band on it. And obviously, Ghoul is like one of our sister bands that we've came up with for a long-ass time. So, I don't know, I'm fucking really pumped to make it happen, finally. Yeah,
1: I mean, you don't always get, you know, I know, um, you know, fans <laughs> often think that every band is always friends and that's where they're on tour together. Most of the time we do become friends, but you often get put on a package with some strangers. And so it's fun to like, and then you have to become friends, you know, it's fun that like, we're all going to start like dead heat even came out with waste before they don't know Ghoul and Necrop, but we already know those guys, uh, yeah. you know, like the kids on the tour, but like, just like, Starting off day one and like twenty-five people all are already personal friends to spend a month together. It's I'm really just excited also for that. You know, it, it's fun. And and I I talk to everyone involved in this tour all the time, but it's not like we're in one big group chat together. I'm like talking to Tony, I'm talking to Ryan, and I'm talking to Sean from Ghoul. I'm talking, I do talk to Necrot always in the group chat, but still like it's Great. like all my, putting all my friends all together in one, one room or, you know, and for the, for the whole month, it's, it's really exciting for a lot of reasons. And, Please um,
2: don't, don't make a group chat. Of the
1: <laughs> oh, oh, the brain squeeze <laughs> tour group chat. No, That'll that will
2: be fun. Fuck and that. Everyone will just put it
1: on silence and it'll just die. <laughs> Fuck.
0: Well, I want to check God. the Go Train schedule to make it out to London, and uh, I hope to see you guys there. It would
1: be awesome if you can make it out, Damien. We know it's—I uh, didn't yeah. realize it was three hours, but it would be so cool. I don't expect anyone else from Fucked Up to come, but I'm gonna—I'm gonna put a little weight on you to make
0: the trip. Have dabs, we'll travel.
1: Yeah, make Mike <laughs> rent a car and drive you. <laughs>